0: Um, I hope you were blessed last week by my brother-in-law, and if you didn't get a chance to hear his testimony, it's on our Facebook page, I encourage you to do that. I'm not trying to sell his book because he doesn't carry either way, but if he didn't get a copy, I probably have about four copies left, and it's good to pass on to somebody uh, about how to come to Christ and the things that God can do. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that if you missed it or whatever, or share it, uh, because uh, you'll see the power of how God can change people. We've been doing a series, and obviously we've been doing it for a while, on what we believe. And on Wednesday nights, I still want to encourage you to come at 7 o'clock. We've got something for youth and children and adults, but we're unpackaging this. And obviously we're way past what we're staying on Wednesday nights, but we're still deep into who God is and what we believe about God according to His Word. So, Uh, You don't have to study. You can come and be a part of that, and that's here for adults in the sanctuary and then everything else is for the kids and youth out in the gym. But I encourage you to come and be a part of that, because what I'm doing here is an overview of what we're unpackaging on Wednesday nights. Again, out here in the lobby, you know, we don't pass the offering plate because of, you know, different uh, COVID and different things like that. But always the offering plates are both entrances and exits. But out there is also a little pamphlet of what I'm preaching through. And what we're preaching through is what we believe. I know why I'm a Baptist and I'm a Christian first, but you need to know what our church is about and what we believe. And so that's why we're going through this. So. A lot of you like garage sales. Some of you don't. Some of you like flea markets and you don't want to. I won't give a discussion on. We were talking, your pastor started the discussion Wednesday on the name of a certain flea market in Springfield that I wouldn't name it that. But anyway, I guess Larry was the only one that didn't have a dirty mind, but we won't get into that. But okay, <laughs> in that group. But um, I grew up, my parents owned a flea market for a while. And. Um, Obviously, I've gone to garage sales and I kind of feel like other people's seconds are my first and there's nothing bad, but so many times people want to throw things away and some of you know how to fix something or you realize it's not that hard, that people give up or, you know, and, and growing up with my parents and then after they had a flea mark, I've talked about this before, they taught me to, when you're looking at something, look at the maker's mark. Turn it over. There's certain, like if we were if we were going after uh, cast iron skillets, you know, Griswold would be a good thing, not Clark, but the uh, the uh, the brand. You got to keep track with me here, okay? But but there are certain names and titles that you know that are quality and that sometimes somebody thinks they have junk. That wait a minute, this is good. This has value. This has worth. We're going to be talking about mankind today and what the Bible says about mankind and what we believe as a church and a body about mankind. And so, mankind, a question I have for you today, do you know your worth? I'm not talking about your financial worth. Do you know your worth? And society, depending on how you were raised or what has happened in your life, some people are overinflated on how they feel about themselves, but most people are underinflated and a long time ago, a really good book, still a solid one, search for significance, a Christian book dealing with your self-worth and basically your self-worth needs to come from God. But today, right now, you know your worth or you know what you've had to overcome on. I grew up like this and I didn't feel like I was that valuable. Or now I feel in society that we're overinflating children and everybody's a star and everybody's going to go to the Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff, you know? And it's like, let's get to reality. Not everybody gets a trophy. They do now, but we all know. (laughs) Okay, but here's the deal. But yet, even if you're not good in something, do you know your worth? And we're going to look at that today. You can choose to ignore your worth or over-inflate your worth, or base your worth as an individual on what society says, or you can know your true worth. Your action step today is know your worth, your value. And it's going to spell out the word know, K-N-O-W, uh, for your points. And I think this is something we deal with. Now, I'm going to try to be really slow. We've got, again... If you don't have one of those pamphlets, and I still want to encourage, uh, talk to me afterwards on Wednesday night. I don't care if you get the book, but I'm looking at ordering some of the book of what we're going through because it's, it's not a big book, but it, it just kind of unpackages what we believe. And so uh, if we do an order, you can do that. You can get it electronically. <laughs> But what we're going to see here is the slide. Is This is the statement of what we call ourselves Baptists and as a church, what we believe. And I know that you love the words that, and I know you, your pastor has this memorized, not really, and it's multiple slides, but let's look at this. Man is the special creation of God, made in his own, in his own image. He created the male and female as the crowning work of his creation. The gift of gender is thus part of the goodness of God's creation. In the beginning, man was innocent of sin. He was endowed by his creator with freedom of choice. Notice, in the beginning. By his free choice, man sinned against God and brought sin into the human race. Through the temptation of sin, man transgressed the commandment of God and fell from his original innocence, whereby his posterity, see, I messed up on that word, inherit a nature and an environment inclined to sin. Therefore, as soon as they were capable of moral action, they began, became transgressors and under condemnation. I love this part. Only the grace of God can bring man into his holy fellowship and enable man to fulfill the creative purpose of God. The sacredness of human personality is evident in that God created man in his own image and in that Christ died for man. Therefore, every person of every race possesses full dignity and is worthy of respect in Christian love. Lord, as we look at a statement created by man based on your word, I pray that we look at what we believe about the people that we encounter every day. And that we treat them accordingly. Of people that are worth so much that you wanted to send your son to die, to be buried and raise from the dead so you can have a relationship with them. I pray for those that society has pushed down their worth in this room, that they realize they are precious, and they are redeemable, and they accept you today. Speak, we ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. That's a huge statement. Again, it's on that pamphlet, and you can go over it and unpackage it. But they came up with this statement, you might say, well, wow, this is pertinent for today. Well, that statement was revised in 2000, and this has been who we are. So it's even pertinent more with the things that we're dealing with today. And, and you guys are kind of an easy church, but in a lot of places, I never thought pastors would have to deal with the obvious thing of gender. I am not trying to make light of the confusion of the popularity to create multiple genders other than two. This is not what this sermon is specifically about, but obviously the Holy Spirit has landed us here to understand what is God's definition of man. Genesis 1.27 that's a verse you ought to know that's a verse you ought to write down and not because the pastor said it but and as the song Kevin sang uh, 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 affirmed is, so God created man in his own image he created him in the image of God he created them male and female again if you think I'm trying to poke fun or I wouldn't the devil is a liar the devil is the author of confusion and I can bring several examples, but all you got to do is watch TV and I guess they figure out how old you are because if you're streaming, suddenly you get all these uh, commercials about prescriptions, you know, and different medicine, you know, and all this kind of stuff, okay, whatever. And for some reason, our TV thinks we live in Texas or Chicago, whatever that is, okay. But uh, maybe they can't find us, but, um, and that's okay, but here's the deal. It's interesting to me when they describe these medications, because it's things that can either help or hurt you if you do not qualify, your body doesn't qualify, that suddenly if you listen, science and medical say, Well, you can't take this if you're biologically a female. You can't take this if you're biologically a male. I want you to understand all truth is God's truth, and there's just a point. I'm again, I'm not picking a Satan is a liar. He is a counterfeiter. And so Right off the bat, he says in Genesis 127, you are made in the image of God, an image of God, male and female. And that does not mean that God is transgender, but that God gives the qualities that a female has, and that God gives the qualities that a male have, and both of those are qualities of God in the sense of all you have to do is tell the difference. If we really get down to it, despite on how we try to influence children... You put a boy and a girl in a room with toys, and the one boy's trying to take whatever the doll is or whatever and beat the other one with it. Okay, you know, God has designed man to be a provider and a protector. Nothing wrong. These are things that complement. And then usually that that girl, regardless of what they've been taught, it, you know, has more of a nurturing spirit of, of taking care of. God put that in us. It doesn't... All you have to do is see a mom and dad, and it's amazing how the dad can sleep through the night, but mama hears that baby. And why are you tired? Well, you didn't hear the baby sleeping? No. (laughs) You know, you can fake it and say you did, but that would be worse. But we need to celebrate the differences. They complement each other. God had an ultimate design. Yes, sin messes those things up. But first of all, the image of God is that he made male and female, and he has those qualities of nurturing, of providing, and of protecting. Made in the image of God. And what that means is we have a spiritual capacity and an ability to fellowship with God. Love nature, love animals, but they don't have church and they're not praying to God they really don't have a choice. And if we look in God's structure, man was to be stewards and the top of his creation. And we're the only thing made. There is nobody else added to this verse. Man made in the image of God. We're the only ones that God gives the capacity, so we're able, and the ability, the action, to have a fel- to fellowship and have a relationship with God. Isn't that awesome? We can have a relationship. This is why we talked about on Wednesday nights, I don't care if we call ourselves Christians, but we always ask the question, how does society understand that today? And when you say, I am a follower of Christ, or I have a relationship with Christ, I'm not against the word religion, but all that says is organization. And we won't get into that today, because we'll cover what we believe about that later. God God established the church, but so many times we think of religion. What he's saying here is God made man for relationship with him. You have a soul, and your soul is eternal, and your soul will spend eternity with God or without God, and without God, it's eternal punishment away from God. Your choice. Out of creation, we are the only ones capable and able to have a relationship with God. This means we possess a spiritual capacity that makes us moral creatures. Think about it. Do animals think morally? No. Yes, you can train your animal to do things, and you can tell when they're sorry about it, but who trained them? Do they have a free will? They are going off of instinct that God has put in them. They're going off the ability of over years. They were all wild. It's hard for me to believe that my little schnauzer that's kind of losing her mind and just stands there all the time comes from a wolf. Okay? <laughs> but they. what we see over time is instinct and training and breeding as far as animals. But we're not talking about animals and you're not an animal. Made in the image of God. We, therefore, are moral creatures. You don't find morals in animals. You find training, instinct, or wildness. uh, But we can know and worship God. We have a soul. We have a body. We have a choice. Deuteronomy 10.12 says this. Deuteronomy 10, 12 says this, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask except to fear the Lord your God by walking in all his ways to serve him and to worship the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? He's not saying that to anything else in creation. He's saying that to who he created in his image that has the choice whether to have relationship and worship God with all our heart. Romans 2:15 says this: "They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Their consciences confirm this. Their competing, uh, their competing thoughts either accuse or even uh, uh, accuse or excuse them. We're the only thing with a conscience. Sometimes that conscience gets seared. Or sometimes because people follow the ways of the world, that conscience is not... What, What do we start with and what we believe? That we believe that God's word is holy and the standard that we live by. And so if that conscience is not guided by God's word, then it will be seared and it will make wrong choices. See how much value you have? You're the only thing with a choice. You're the only thing given a conscience to know right and wrong. And again... All of us have been raised differently. And then if you've received Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, and you've been in His Word, and you're realizing, hey, that was wrong, what I thought. And I see God's Word, and so I now correct it and go with God. But we have the capacity to think morally, and we have a conscience. Your first fill-in, knowing your worth means we must know we are made in the image of God. Sometimes as Christians... We forget that that lost person doesn't become made in the image of God after they get saved. They are in the image of God now. And what's interesting to me, we see the lost are good. I'm talking about, I see a lot of shirts and different things about be kind. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Because uh, Paul said in Romans, it's your kindness that leads to repentance. And so. Sometimes, all we do is look at their overt sin, and we either get scared about it, that's foreign to me, and it scares me, and I don't want to be around it, which a lot of those things are good. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We need to be in the world, but not of the world. But so many times, somehow, somewhere, we forget they are made in the image of God. You're not made in the image of God when you get saved. You, period, are made in the And the image is varied and distinct and unique. We got some characters in this room, your pastor included. And I'm not talking about the choices people make or the lies that they are told. Everybody here has varied likes and dislikes, they're varied in in appearance, they're uh, uh, varied in personality. God is not boring. So he's not just a cookie cutter where everybody's going to be alike. And I think Christians kind of do that sometimes. We've got to dress alike. We've got to act alike. Yeah, morally it's good to act alike. It's good to be unified in the same mind when it comes to the things of God. But I want us to think about how many different ways we can reach people for the gospel because of our uniqueness. Somehow we've been told, well, we've got to, totally fall in line. Yes, as far as God's word, but God has uniquely made you to reach certain people and to glorify him. Here's part of that uniqueness that's pretty straight. He said he made a male and female. Uh, gender reflects the goodness of God. As I talked about, it's not that a, a man can't be nurturing, but it, it's a lot of times, I understand there's differences, but a lot of times women in general especially if if their mothers are naturally a little more nurturing and it's amazing to me it's not about the fact if you've been trained or what you're doing but that thing in men where they automatically want to sometimes rush to it to protect or provide now those things may be swelched and they may be trying to be pushed down but those are the main differences of males and females and neither one is worse or lesser. But those are differences we need to celebrate the goodness of God. That God is a provider, he's a protector, and he's nurtured. And he takes care of us and he's personal. We celebrate our God-given differences. See, this is what, and again, we're just going through what we believe so it wasn't like, pastor, I'm just going to pick on this because of society. This is where we're at, guys, and if we weren't there... I'd still be preaching on this, and so obviously God wanted us to talk about this today. But we celebrate our God-given differences. For some reason, I'm mixed up on the fact that what's okay to celebrate on differences and what is not okay. Everybody's got to be alike, or you need to accept that I'm different, but not in the category of how God sees it. He created true masculinity, and he created true femininity. And he defined it by it's defined by the bible and we may not like to hear that but he 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 physically designed men and women different he and on the the things that he wanted men and women to do he put that inside them and we need to celebrate that they complement each other and so it's not a competition see Why do we have the problem between men and women and all this kind of stuff? Because Genesis chapter 3, we studied it over Christmas. The whole problem is, after the fall, you see that what the curse is, is that man's desire is to rule over a woman. This is sin, not God's design. And the woman's desire is to usurp his authority. And we have seen for centuries, men abuse women, and women try to usurp the spiritual authority that God had put in place. Now, grace is in the middle of that, but why did he call Eve a helpmate? He didn't call her a slave because those of us that have been blessed to be married know that our wives can offer something we can't, and we can offer something they can't. And I remember when we were growing up, not growing, still growing up, but where our kids were growing up, if there was something one of us, my, Heather and I couldn't handle, we'd let the other one handle it because we tried to stay calm because we didn't want our kids to be scared of something that bothered us. Oh, their eyes poked out. Heather, you take it. Okay, you know, <laughs> hey, you got lunch, so you'll eat less today, you know, or it cracks me up how, yes, I hate snakes, and over time, I've had to deal with them, and i have lessened on that. I don't go out of my way to deal with snakes, but my kids all the time would put rubber snakes in the hallway and all this kind of stuff, and I get that fear of snakes from my mother, who was bit by a snake as a child, okay? But what, I, what I'm trying to say is God gives us differences, that we complement each other, the nurturing, the providing. It doesn't mean, I mean, there, there have been single parents that have had to do both of these things, and they've done it well, and I, and I applaud you. And there's God's grace in this, but I want us to understand we've got to get back to the core of what his word says, that he made different male and female. We need to celebrate those differences. Society wants to celebrate everything, but we need to celebrate that God made male and God made female and God made them different and God made them to go together. And that's the real thing, not the counterfeit. Knowing our value means knowing we are different. Knowing we are your next villain, naturally, male and female. I like that. Not because it works in the word no, but naturally, we are made male and female. Go back to the commercials. The doctor wants to make sure that biologically, a male doesn't take medicine that is for a female that can kill him. It's amazing to me. We all have all these theories and all these hundreds or thousands of genders or whatever Again, if you think I'm trying to make fun of it, I'm not. It's sad. There are male and female. We're not taught, and Satan is the author of confusion. And so we need to know that naturally God has made us in his image and naturally made us male and female. So what happened? Well, I kind of mentioned this before, that we see in the garden that uh, Adam and Eve have a choice. He told them, you know, you can have any of this, but don't eat of this tree or you will surely die. And the consequences is then man is condemned, separated, and then the confusion and the counterfeit of life come in. And we still, and so now after the garden and after the fall, you have a sinful creature that still has the capacity to have a relationship with God and still can morally make choices. This is what scares the crud out of me. Man without God, the moral choices that they make. The Ten Commandments are good for any country, are good for any society. Thou shall not kill, thou shall not steal. That helps everybody out, regardless of what you believe. And so that shows a moral level. What scares the crud out of me is everybody's moral line without God is different. That is scary. Some are too much, and I think most are not enough. And we continually are given a choice between obeying God or disobeying God, and we need and we need to uh, we need to we need to look at our condition. Without God, it's hopeless. Without God, not your pastor saying this, His Word. One day every knee will bow. One day every tongue will confess. And if I'm wrong, my life has been better for it. But I think there's a lot of people in this room that are way more intelligent than me. And let's just get real here. Why would these intelligent people follow something that's a fairy tale or not true if they haven't met the one true God and they don't have a relationship with? But without God, you are dead in your sins. You're headed to hell. Separation from God. Eternal punishment. And it's not going to Your next villain, knowing our value means knowing how far we are outcasts and fallen. This is the problem. That lost person is made in the image of God. And sometimes that lost person is your family, your friends. And let's just be honest, in our flesh, why did God have to shut the door when Noah and the flood was happening? Because us like Noah, if God hadn't shut the door, we would have opened it and let those people that it was too late to make the decision in. They had a hundred years. They were making fun of Noah. Rain, and rain had never happened on the earth. We can get the explanation later. And for a hundred years, Noah is making a boat that is bigger than a football field, huge. You all want to go see it and go at the replica of it. It would be great. We're going to hopefully do that sometime as a church. Okay, but for 100 years, every day, he's out there being faithful, and you know people were teasing and being a wit- he was being a witness in what he was doing. What's going to happen, Noah? Water's going to come from the sky, and we're all going to die? I don't like to think of family and friends and people I build relationships that they're going to hell. But you know what the thing is? It's not me labeling that. It's the fact if you don't know Christ, you are outcast and you are fallen. And it is your choice whether you go there or not. This is why the urgency of having those conversations with people we love, the urgency of building relationships, If we think everybody's okay, we're not going to believe God's true definition of man made in his image, made for relationship, made male and female, but because of the fall, outcast and fallen. So what's the solution? Well, the solution we know is Christ, and with Christ, Christ, we are restored to fellowship, and we're restored to relationship with God. We're going to talk about that next week, salvation, and, 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 and all those components, but isn't that awesome that He doesn't leave us in that? That God begins in chapter three the prophecy of bringing Christ, and the rest of the Bible is about Christ coming and God restoring that relationship. Romans five six says this: For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Oh, thank God! By God's grace, we can be restored. Uh, because uh, God loved us so much that, he came, that, that all who come in faith in Christ will be saved. Romans ten thirteen says, For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm sorry if you think that there's something that you've done that you're so far away from God, then you're saying to God that he is not powerful enough or Jesus' blood was not enough to save you. And that issue is more with you than God. Judas, if he hadn't taken his own life, could have sought God's forgiveness. We don't like thinking, we can always bring Hitler up. We don't like thinking about Hitler, and it doesn't mean that Hitler wouldn't have needed to be punished. But if Hitler had truly been repentant, he could receive Christ and eternally be okay. Christ died for all. Christ's salvation is for all. Revelation 5.9 says this. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you, because you were slaughtered. And you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language, people and nation. Knowing Christ died to save all should, should reassure us of the value of all. Man has dealt with this. I love history. I love watching shows based on history, whether it's a documentary or it's a show uh, 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 taking place in a certain era. And I think we need to be real about history. I think there's been a time, now I think history's being rewritten, and I think even if it was written when some of us grew up with a little tinge to it, I think you need to filter through that. I think now it's being changed. But it's okay to see the reality that everything in history was not perfect. And Not everyone of color or different race were treated well. But notice what happens when God gets in the mix. In Revelation 5-9, at the end, when everything's made right, every tribe and language, people and nation. There have been whole races and countries and tribes that have been pushed down in the name of Christianity. Christianity. So what does that tell you as an individual made in the image of God? You know you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're still struggling with sin, but God tells you to go reach others. I'm thankful I feel like my kids in the next generation don't see as much the outward as the individual. A lot of us have either had parents that were good and ourselves that we've had to overcome what we've been taught and there's been several sins where they've related it biblically that these people with this skin color are this in the Bible and get rid of them. Or they're lesser. That is a lie from the pit of hell if you read Revelations 5. So, no, so not only are we made in the image of God, but it doesn't matter their color, their race, or where they're from. Christ died for them. And they're redeemable. The sacredness of human personality is evident in in that God created man in his own image and that Christ died for man. Therefore, every person of every race possesses full dignity and is worthy of respect and Christian love. Now, guys, I didn't say the choices that they're making, the choices that they're choosing to call themselves or how to present themselves. And we have to remember Satan is a liar and he's the author of confusion. But we need to look past what they're wearing and what they call themselves. And it doesn't mean you agree with it. And we need to see the redeemable value that if they find Christ. They are not junk. It is like me at a garage sale or at a flea market. And I'm thinking this thing is rusted. This thing has been painted over. I bought a, a bed a while back and it goes with our our furniture that we've collected for years, and it just went through me. I'm sorry. I think it's a mosaic law that you don't paint natural wood. You're in sin if you do. Okay? And so I I, I found a bed, and it's like (laughs) our oak bed made by the same maker. I thought, well, you know, someday we'll put this in another room. Somebody painted it with white paint, and it's oak. I mean, I hope they get right before Christ comes back. Okay? But... What did I see in that? And then Heather, she, when you think you figured out your spouse being married, she's like, well, "I kind of like it like that." It's like I got to get her right. Maybe she'll get saved today. I don't know. And, you know. But here's the deal: a normal person would have been at the garage sale and they wouldn't have noticed. Hey, that's the same maker as the bed we have, and I know it's not particle board. I was going to say crap. Okay. And I know that it's solid oak, and I know what it used to be worth, and I know if my wife gets right, we'll take the white paint off, okay? What about about the people you come across every day? They're covered up in whatever they want to call themselves, or whatever is popular, or whatever decision they make, and you need to understand underneath, they were made in the image of God! And they're worth being redeemed. And again, I'm not mad. We need to wake up and realize the only reason we are still here, the only reason Christ does not come back is he wants all to be saved and none to perish, and the devil is a liar. Church, we must wake up. Man, I don't go all week with this all inside me, okay? You know, but, I, but you see what I'm saying? The devil is a liar. I'll put this coat of paint on and you're that real solid oak wood made in craftsmanship in the image of God. This is why I want you not to feel bad, but burdened. That person, whether they're a stranger or they're part of your life, God has put you, Christian, I'm talking to you. God has put you in their life to point to them, to point to him. Christians should see every human being is made in the image of God and worthy of full respect and love. This is hard. You don't agree with their sin, but most of the time, I feel like I never get to those conversations. They'll find out I'm a pastor, and they'll go, oh, you're a pastor? You know, And but when we're having these conversations, I am ready that one day, whether I'm a pastor or not, I'm a child of God. I am redeemed that... First of all, leading someone to Christ is first listen to their story, tell your story, then tell the story. That could take years. You've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And they may not like what you say, but so many times we've been taught, just go downtown. Start scraping. You know, if if we took that bed and just started taking whatever and scraping it off, it's going to gnar the wood and the restoration is going to be harder. I know you want to tell them about Christ, but build the relationship. Show them simple respect. doesn't mean you agree. Don't cross the lines. I'm still trying to figure out. You know, everybody changing whether Mr., him, her, whatever. Okay? I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I'm not going to go against what God says, but I'm also not going to beat them up, and I'm going to try to be nice and figure it out. It would probably be, hey, you. <laughs> okay? Uh, you know? Um, I mean, you say, well, Pastor, why do you think that?" this? Because this is a society we're living in, and these people need to be redeemed. And I, I'm not even trying to say these people. I'm talking about the lost, whatever they're dealing with, which is who I was and which is who you were. We need to treat people with dignity that this is uh, this is not something that doesn't have worth. God sent his son to die for this person. And so I need to show them respect. Knowing our value, next fill in, Knowing our value, knowing our worth means knowing we can be restored. You may need to be restored today. You felt like crud, however your life has been. And... You have a value, and Jesus died for you. Receive him as Savior and Lord. I think most of us, though, have done that, but we may either... The devil is such a liar. He, I mean, whether it's your pastor or yourself, he's constantly making you doubt, and he's constantly making you doubt your worth, and this is why we need to be in the Word, and this is why we need to be listening to God and not be listening to the devil, Because Romans 8, 1 says now there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what you've done. You need to go forward and know you are a child of God. Maybe you need to be restored and receive Christ. Maybe you need to remember your worth and stop listening to the devil. And then the other category, we are in scary, weird times that none of us want to deal with. The pastor's going to say it. If I had to choose the topics that I wanted to talk about and deal with that were questioned, I wouldn't be picking now. But like Esther, this is our time. Treat people with dignity, with love. Earn the right to share the gospel and then let the chips fall where they may. And while they may not like what you say, they'll know you love them and you treated them with dignity. As we stand on our feet today, in a time, as we have a time of imitation. I go back to the original question. Do you know your worth? Is your worth rightly...